Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. First of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. It's a new year, but the same old shit here on From the Pink Seats podcast. I am your host, Jacob Lane, joined as always by my good friends and partners in crime here, Vincent LaCoco and Matt McGavick. I say same shit as always because like I like we said on uh, Monday during our show, for the seventh time in the 2021 season, we are uh, coming off of a loss. Um, so here we are. Welcome into 2022, where hopefully things change. We've got a great show tonight. Uh, we've got a, a very short, abbreviated edition of the big three headlines, uh, sur- the news surrounding Louisville football. Not, not much news since the last time we've uh, been together here. Uh, and then we're going to dive into Vince's game notes. He's going to break down the film of Air Force and give us some more technical uh, explanations as to what happened on the field. And then uh, we'll give out our hero of the week and talk a little bit of New Year's resolutions uh, for the Louisville football program before we wrap it up here. Guys, welcome into the show. Matt, how, how are you, buddy? How was your trip to the mountains? Oh, it was fun. I mean, it rained literally the entire time, so we didn't get to do as much outdoor activities as we wanted. I mean, we went hiking. So me, my girlfriend, and several of uh, her friends rented a cabin out in Red River Gorge. Uh, so we took a half day to hike up Natural Bridge, and it started It started to rain on the way down. And then for the rest of the weekend, it, it was raining cats and dogs. So, But we had copious amounts of bourbon and white claws and other cheap sheet champagne so you know it sounds like it. It, it sounds like a damn good time man you're getting drunk in the mountains i guess that that uh that's the, that's one way to kick off 2022 Vince, you went down to nashville over the weekend got to see uh Destin's patrick um play i'm not sure if, if he played but uh, i got to see him on the sideline how was your trip to nashville he played a little bit. He got he got in those last couple of series. He was just blocking guys, which was actually funny to see because I've never seen Des block harder in my entire life than how he was <laughs> for the Titans the other day. But it was a great trip. Ran into Coach Fitzpatrick down there, ironically. Just, uh, you know, I started scooting down. Obviously, uh, well, my friends are Dolphins fans, so we went down for the, to watch the Dolphins, actually. And uh, as oh, the game, all the fans started evacuating a little bit more because it was a butt-whipping uh, Started making it down closer to the field, and I'm standing there watching the game. And I look over, and I'm sitting right next to Coach Fitz. Uh, Coach Fitz, ironically, so yeah, man, it was that's... a good trip, though. It was good to see Des out there having fun. Sounds like Louisville travels to Nashville, and when I say that, I mean the fact that uh, you just run into people when you're doing things in Louisville, and you're like, oh, hey, I know him, or he knows her. We went to high school together. I went, I used to date her sister. Blah blah blah. Crazy world, lots of smells. Good, good stuff to hear that you guys had uh, some great trips. I did not. I've been in quarantine for the last, uh, essentially, uh, the the better part of the last week and a half. Uh, double COVID exposures. Uh, those are never fun. So three three tests of for COVID last week, all negative. Thank God, continue to to skirt the coves here. Uh, so the family is healthy, but uh, no trips to the mountains, no trips to Nashville. In fact, I had a trip to Nashville that was canceled. 
Um, and so here we are, you know, just enjoying life in Louisville. We, we go, we go with the, the punches here, just much like uh, this Louisville football season. And speaking of which, let's move into our first segment of the show, fellas, the big three, the biggest uh, headlines surrounding Louisville football. Big, big, big three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big three. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Matt, take us uh, to headline number one here. Headline number one, Louisville cornerback Keetro Clark to return for 2022 season. Now, we kind of had an inkling this this was going to happen. He didn't really give any uh, inclination that he was going to declare early for the NFL or maybe enter the transfer portal, but you, you never know. Some You never know where all these players' head spaces are. So to, to get confirmation that he's coming back for, I would assume, is going to be his last year because I, I was – under the assumption he was going to go to the NFL after this year. But I mean, when you tear your ACL, I'm sure that, that, that impacts your, your draft stock a lot. So, and, and considering the numbers he put up in just eight games, I think it took until the final game of the regular season for him to lose a stranglehold on passes defended. And he still finished atop the ACC leaderboard and passes defended per game. And like this getting him back is with, without understanding is a massive it's, it's massive because Louisville secondary at times showed how suspect it can be. I mean, Greedy Vance played in spurts and even he's no longer with the team. Uh, and the rest of the cornerback room is relatively unproven depth. I mean, there's some, some solid guys in there. Can I Walker, uh, Derek Edwards, Rance Connor. I mean, we, we saw bits and pieces of them during Louisville's bowl, but to get a guy like Ishra Clark back to kind of, put a, a, a mark on the secondary as someone you, you don't throw to on that side of the field. It's huge for Louisville. I think right now I could make a hot take that if Marshawn Ford and uh, Yasir Abdullah come back, that Louisville will have four first team, all ACC players next year, Malik Cunningham, Cottrell Clark, Marshawn Ford and Yasir Abdullah, all four of those guys. And that's not even including Monty. Monty could definitely be a first team. All, uh, oh, ACC I can see player. it. But the, absolutely. I remember we were jokingly talking about after one of those devastating comeback losses, like what gets you excited about Louisville football next year? And I answered Cottrell Clark, Malik Cunningham, Yasir Abdul. You know, the pieces are there. They've, they've definitely got the yeah. pieces in place, but they got to get more pieces. I think that's for sure. I think that's. Yeah, no, there's the some real star here. power. There's some real star power there. It's just the supporting cast. there's a talent drop off. There's a lot of guys up here at the top and then below them. No, no offense to the guys like down there on the 2d, but there's a lot of guys who are either young or relatively unexperienced. Like having a big four. Yeah. I mean, it really is right. I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, uh, they had some star power in 2019, obviously 2017 and 16, those teams had a bunch of guys, but uh, this is as good of a, of a core four here that sat has had since he's been here, in my opinion, obviously I know you have, you have two, two and Des uh, in the mix back in 19, but anyways, all right. Headline number two, we go uh, out West from the news tribune headline reads, Teddy Bridgewater wants to play in 2022 with future uncertain. Again, if you have uh, missed the news the last week and a half or so, uh, former Louisville football star Teddy Bridgewater, now current Denver Bronco, has gone on the uh, injured reserve list, uh, the season-ending season ending res- injured reserve list after that nasty concussion where his head bounced straight into the dirt, had the grass all in his face mask, uh, just an absolutely brutal-looking uh, play there. And obviously, the Broncos have really struggled without him, but uh, as we 
we've talked about several times on this season. Um, it appears that the the days are numbered as Teddy Bridgewater as a starter in the NFL. Two concussions this season. He's had multiple other injuries. He's just not the same guy that he was coming out of Louisville. Um, one, obviously, we wish the best for him because we love him and he's Teddy and we want nothing but the best for him. But this actually might end up being a good situation where he becomes the the most um, wanted backup in the NFL this offseason, assuming that Denver moves on from him. And he can go to a situation where maybe he's got a chance to, to be like a Nick Foles for the Eagles back in, what was that, 2018, a veteran quarterback who can back up a starter and get you to, you know, if, if your starter goes down, can get you to a Super Bowl. Uh, what do you guys think about this? I, I think there's probably no better well, – I'm sure there are some – you know, decent options out there, but Teddy Bridgewater is definitely top of the list for, you know, guys, if you're drafting a, a young quarterback, who's going to teach you how to, you know, be an NFL quarterback. A lot of things come with that, the inter- interviews and all the pressure and things like that. I mean, who better than to help you through that journey than Teddy Bridgewater? I really couldn't think of a better option for a backup quarterback. Yeah. I'll say I, I think, go ahead, Matt. Oh. Yeah. I, I think the saints did him dirty when they allowed him to walk because you you knew that Drew Brees did not have much left in the tank. You saw firsthand what he could do. I mean, while Drew Brees, while Drew Brees was out, he led you to a five and zero record. I mean, he single-handedly saved your season and led you back to the playoffs. I mean, obviously Drew Brees did what he did when he was on the field, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, there was no drop off when Teddy Bridgewater was out because I mean, you still went five and zero. So the fact they just let him walk as easily as they did, I don't want to say it was disrespectful because I understand it's a business at the end of the day, but it was it was a little bit interesting to see that the Saints didn't really give him a fair a fairer shot, and they're yeah. enamored for some stupid ass reason with Taysom Hill. I mean, he is Taysom Hill is what Lamar Jackson haters think Lamar Jackson is. He's garbage. (laughs) Am I wrong? No, you're not. (laughs) You can't. You can't sit here and justify that you want to. I mean, I'd take Teddy over Taysom Hill right now. Yeah, no doubt. Like any day of the week, Taysom Hill is just not a good. He's a good football player. He's a good. He's good at all the little that's his position. things that he does. But he's a football player. He, if he yeah. played for Bronco Mendenhall, his position would be FP, just football player. Yep. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a, he's definitely a dude. But yeah, no, I was going to say the Saints are a team that you could potentially see Teddy maybe go back to this offseason, depending on what they do with Jameis Winston. I mean, he might be a good backup there for Jameis should Jameis get hurt or go haywire. And so I'm, it makes sense to me. But I, it would be interesting to see you know some of the teams that are going to probably look at, at quarterbacks this offseason like. Um, potentially the Steelers, Ben, assuming he retires, maybe Green Bay, if they move on from Aaron Rodgers and don't feel like Jordan Love is ready, maybe Teddy can be a guy that can go up there and, and, and be a one-year passover. Or, you know, there's options like Jacoby Brissett going down to Miami to back up to him. Maybe Teddy goes to Indianapolis, backs up Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has got chances of missing football games, and, and who knows? So uh, definitely going to be interesting there. All right, headline number three, my favorite headline of the day. It's been a slow news week. I realize I missed the Demetrius Cannon transfer. Not really much to talk about there, but our headline here takes us north of the border from Three Down Nation covering the Canadian Football League. The Canadian Football League. That's right, the Canadian Football League. Headline reads, three pending free agents each West Division team must sign any do either of you guys know who who this article may be in reference to? Why I, I might have pulled this here? Yes, I'm going to assume someone with Louisville ties because looking at our show preparation sheet, I saw the headline. I'm like, Jacob, why the hell are we talking about the CFL? 
Ding, 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 ding. Vince, who is the player? Remind us here, because I know you know. I, I'm, I'm going with Tremaine Washington. That's right. Tremaine Washington. If you have not been paying to the paying attention to the Canadian Football League since the 2018 season, Tremaine has become one of the top defensive backs in the entire league. He plays a position called um, boundary halfback. I don't know what the hell that means, but apparently he's done a great job at it, recording 56 tackles this past season. He had five interceptions, which was up there at the top of the league. One forced fumble, one touchdown. Over the course of his career in just three years, he's got 10 interceptions, and he scored on two occasions. Not bad for a guy who was being picked on uh, across from Jair Alexander all 2017. If you guys remember, there may not be a, a fan, a player that I can remember recently um, on the defensive end that has gotten as much ire as Tremaine Washington caught back in 2017 for not being able to step into to Jire's role when he went down there. But I say all of that to say Tremaine Washington is a, probably a year or two away from being in the NFL. I'm going to be dead honest with you. Like I've, I've kind of kept up with him, watched his tape, um, you know, seen some of the highlights. The dude has been, I mean, he has been an interception machine. And that's what, that's what you got to do to get the end of the NFL. What are your all's reactions on the Canadian Football League? I, I've been keeping up with uh, Tremaine basically since he left. I mean, he, he was one of my teammates, and he was always a you know big time competitor and stuff. And he was a ball hawk on the other side from Jair. I mean, yeah, he got picked on, but I mean, I'd much rather throw at Tremaine than Jair Alexander any day of the week. I, I think he'll be in the NFL eventually. Or why would you not just you know sit around and make your money in the CFL and enjoy it up there in Canada? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, hey, who doesn't want to play for the uh, the Edmonton Huskies, right? Or the uh, Toronto Argo- Argonauts. Argonauts. It, you know, I'm surprised he's up there because they don't take a lot of NFL or a lot of American football players. They they have some in the league, like uh, Lozo's up there now. Yeah, True's up there, but the rules doesn't are Lozo, so different. So doesn't Lozo play for someone named like the Tiger Cats? Because I remember. Yes. That, the Hamilton Tiger Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yeah. Yeah. Canadian football. Look at, look at us here. The Grey Cup. You, you remember, hey. if you ever remember back in the day, Chris Berman used to always show the highlights on ES, on uh, uh, like Sunday night primetime. For some reason, I'd be like, who cares about the Grey Cup? But here we go. Talking about Canadian Football League for the first time on From the Pink Seats. All right. Let's transition <laughs> here. There's a first time for everything. That's right. But what is not the first time, at least uh, on this show, it is in 2022, actually, I should say, the first time in 2022, we're going to get Vince's game notes. It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's game notes with Vincent LaCoco. Vince, that game against Air Force was ugly. It was hard to watch. Uh, defensively, a lot of people who don't know football might be like, what the hell? Um, and, and, and they're justified for asking that question. I thought uh, Cameron Teague's uh, analysis of the Louisville defense and the secondary and specifically was really interesting during our show earlier in the week. But we come to you for your football expertise. What are your game notes from the Air Force game that happened almost 10 days ago at this point? Feels like that was like a month ago. Yeah, I know. It seems like forever ago that, I mean, they're still playing football and stuff, but football season ended after that bowl game for me, basically. I've watched very little football. But Cam hit the hit the nail right on the head with a lot of the things he was talking about defensively. They were attacking Josh, and they were attacking Rance. They were attacking where, where we're just missing guys. Having Greedy and having uh, Kendrick, that would have helped a lot for us. Those are guys with experience. Those are guys that have been playing the entire year. 
and it seemed like to me that guys just didn't have their eyes in the right spots. It's exactly what I was talking about prior to the game where a team like Air Force can nip you in the butt when you get way too focused on the run. Like, yet, yes, we want to stop the run, but, I mean, you passing the football is part of the game. He, he threw it. Their quarterback threw nine of ten for 252 yards, and I was – Matt, help me out. Is that a career high day for him? That It has to be. I, I'm pretty sure it was. I'm pretty I sure mean, it was the most yards by an Air Force quarterback in either bowl history or history. I don't think it was history. I know for a fact it was in their bowl history. Yeah, for, for me, it was just from start to finish, it was one of those games on the defensive side of the ball where you just don't have a good feeling the entire game from start to finish. I mean, we, we were stopping the run some, but every time they were wide open on these passes, these deep crossing routes and things like that, almost like they were running guys into each other. And I mentioned, even the announcer mentioned the four point stances out of our uh, air force. And, you know, that's something for me, my football sense, I'm like, okay, they're, they're probably going to run. You never see offensive linemen in four point stances, but I mean, sure enough, 252 yards later, here we are sitting here dumbfounded at how air force did that. Offensively, it seemed like our receivers just, I mean, I, I don't really know what was going on. It seemed like they just couldn't get open for whatever reason. I was completely off on what I was trying to say before prior to the game that we were just going to outdo them, you know, at, uh, at that outside position. At some point, you just run out of dudes. Exactly. And I, <laughs> I mean, I, I love Amari, Amari Huggins Bruce to death. He's going to be a phenomenal football player these next two years for us. But, I mean, I, he's just not ready to step in that kind of role yet as a true freshman. And Tyler Harrell, even, I don't think he had enough experience. Next year, I think he'll be ready to be the guy, that guy for us. But I mean, airport, he has no choice based on who's that, returning. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I, I think, hopefully he'll be ready. I was really impressed with our run game. I thought those guys did a great job. Uh, Jawar Jordan was a phenomenal, I mean, powerhouse of a running back almost made me sit back and question you know where has he been all year but you think about you know all the issues the injuries him coming in and things like that and I, I had mentioned prior to the game that there's always these random people that's going to pop off in a bowl game and sure enough here he comes and you know he's the one that's uh popping off so for <laughs> for my game notes guys we it just sucks that we were missing greedy and we were missing Kendrick i as soon as uh, Matt Texas said that he was on a scooter, I was like, that's that's no bueno. That's, that's not going to be good for us at all. So that's that's all I got for you guys. It was a very disappointing way to end my football season, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah when, when Cam, Cam T, he texted me that because he was – we were texting back and forth before the game. And when he told me that, I was he, – he, both him and I had the same sentiment. Lil ain't winning this game just and, because and I, there were so many pieces missing on defense. And I have faith that Josh Minkins will be a good football player. But oh, he was injured the entire spring. And, you know, this it, it, it's hard to be a backup at your position and also sit there and rehab back your injury at the same time that you're constantly getting hit on. It's not like it was a lower body injury. It was an upper body. It's his shoulder, his arm or whatever. That's something he has to use constantly where he's punching people, tackling people and you know, I, I'm excited to see Josh next year, but like I text you guys, all those people that were preaching for Josh Minkins, where's Josh? Is he going to get any playing time? Blah, blah, blah. There was your there was your answer as to why we were not seeing. Wow, I kind of sound like Mike Zimmerman right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was, I see him every day. 
it was oh just God, such a such an interesting um just a, a kind of realization that that Louisville's guys just aren't like you don't just show up and you're not just better than everybody anymore like it's just a completely different environment in college football um and, and with Louisville that they're just not they're not going to show up to these games and just be able to dominate and, and Air Force took advantage of a lot of weakness a lot of weak spots and and the thing that sucks is like I think with with Scott's Scott Satterfield's time here, one of the biggest things is that the there's been so many things that have gone against them outside factors that you really just can't control that are honestly bad breaks. And this game is really that in a microcosm. But at the same time, they just got out executed with the guys that were on the field. And, and, and when you're Louisville, you shouldn't have that happen. Uh, but with Josh Minkins, man, I think he's going to be a good player. But um, I discovered Brendan Clinton over the weekend, and I spent about two hours after I had been up with my son at four in the morning. I don't know if you, you all know who that is. Watching his – Brendan Clinton is a, a, is the guy who does the film sessions um, on Twitter. Oh, And, and I was just waiting for the Louisville Air Force game for him to say, Josh Minkins, you pissed down your leg. Davis, you pissed down your leg. That's his thing. Is You, you got scared, you pissed down your leg. And I just feel so bad for Josh Minkins' ego because uh, Brandon Lewis just absolutely sh- just juked him out of his shoes and put him right on his butt, just right on his butt. I mean, he fell down like my daughter does when she runs and she she trips. Like it was it That's was exactly what you what you don't <laughs> teach. He was so top heavy. I mean, I you knew he was going to get juked out of his shoes from five yards away running at a guy like that. I mean, yeah, but it's just the optics, man. Just you hate to see it. It's one of those moments that, uh, you know, maybe maybe he'll bounce back from it and we'll never remember it, or it could be like the Chucky Williams play, and it's what we know him for for the rest of his career. Oh my God. Well, that Chucky Williams play, I think at that moment, it was a lot more egregious because of just how emasculating it was. I mean, not to say that Minkin getting just – completely tore up by an air force wide receiver wasn't emasculating but the way that aj Dillon just ran through chucky williams i i'm pretty sure if most people could try and name the guy who even made the move on on minkins no no one really could no, how many not, how many not you in think a few could? years not in a few years but the guy also doesn't have the star power of aj Dillon playing behind you know aaron Rodgers these days which, so which which, which play sticks out more to you guys james quick Running out of bounds against Clemson or Chucky getting stiff armed like that against AJ They're different plays. I mean, the, the the one thing that sucks about the Chucky Williams thing is it was Boston College. Like that's like getting stiff armed into the ground by BYU. Like you just are like, yuck, man. I don't want to see that. That sucks to see yeah. my team getting stiff armed by about, you know, 225 pound running backs with neck pads. Like I just yeah, said, at least we got juked out by a service member. At least, you know, that, that makes me feel I mean, yeah, thank you, thank the you for your service. Yeah, that's what Josh that's all it was. Said. That's all this game was, guys. We were just supporting the troops. <laughs> yeah. That's such a good guy. We're such a good program. That, that was the game plan. It was not the worst thing to happen to a defensive back uh, during bowl season. Um, one of the one of the clips I saw from the Georgia-Michigan game, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, Michigan defensive back was lined up on a Georgia wide receiver, and the wide receiver waved to the sideline and you know essentially told them to like kind of pipe down uh, that, to the Michigan sideline and then oh. absolutely destroyed the cornerback in front of him and put him on his ass, yeah. stood over him and waved to the, st- the, the sideline again. Yeah. And the most <laughs> disrespectful, the most disrespectful football move I've ever seen in my entire the, life. The wave to the sidelines reminded me of whenever uh, Ronald Walker turned to the sidelines and did one of those, did one of those numbers over to, uh, Oh I can't, man. I can't remember I who they were playing. That. That's exactly what I thought of when yeah. I thought of that play. 
I forgot all about that. That was one of the greatest little football gifts for the longest time because it was no, like, my, my favorite is Jair Alexander's little chicken dance. Oh dude, that's iconic. That is an, yeah. if Jair Alexander ever gets a statue, it's gotta be that the chicken that's dance. The, that and was actually, that was him and Trey Smith's little hand. They did like a handshake thing and that was part of their handshake. And I don't know, I guess he had whatever. I think he was hurt prior to that. And that was one of his first couple games back or something. Uh, it, whatever it was, it was one of the most iconic moments in Louisville football history. All right, let's transition here to our uh, next segment, the Hero of the Week. It, it, it feels a little bit odd to get the Hero of the Week award this week um, because the bowl game was so long ago, and it doesn't feel like a lot of great things have happened with Louisville football. You've had players transfer, you you know, getting beat by Air Force, you finish in 67, the coach that you wanted fired doesn't get fired, the coach that you wanted wins against Tennessee in a bowl game. And all these things just seem to be kind of piling on at this point. But through all of those devastating things, all the the bad news, there is a hero who emerged. And he was a very unlikely hero. Uh, In fact, coming into the game, I I would imagine that 95% of Louisville fans had never heard of this fellow. They they heard him, you know, they thought his name was Jamar Jordan, Jamar Johnson, Jamar Jones. They, They weren't sure who this fellow was. Jamar Dorsey, it doesn't matter. He played for Louisville, and so they cheered for him. But then... He caught a pass, and he got the ball and a handoff, and he made a play, and then he made another play, and then he made another play. And the next thing you know, you're wondering, where in the hell has this guy been all season, and why have the coaching staff not played him? And then when you couldn't get kicked in the face anymore with the thought of a player emerging, the broadcast crew reminds you of the the fact that this player was going to transfer just four weeks ago. And here he is emerging when Louisville needs him most with the cape. Uh, that Louisville needed, the superhero that Louisville needed. That is Jawar Jordan, the 100-yard kickoff return, the first kickoff return for a Louisville football player since 2019. Do you guys know who returned that kickoff for that? Hassan Hall. Hassan Hall, and bonus points for if you could tell me what game it was. Wake Forest. Wake Forest on the road. So almost two years ago to the, uh, to the well, not to the day, but almost two years ago, uh, we got the, the last kickoff return. But Jawar Jordan was absolutely electric. Four returns, 155 yards, 100-yard return for a touchdown. Rushed the ball, um, what was it here, six times for 37 yards. Caught one pass for 24 yards, which I believe was on a third down on a big uh, conversion, which they needed. Um, I, it's hard to find heroes when there's a lot of bad things happening. But um, congratulations to speak to Jawar Jordan. If anything ever comes up with his career, I don't know. But what he will be able to claim is that he was the fourth ever hero of the week on From the Pink Seats podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Jawar Jordan. I tell you what, though, it was news to me that he wanted to transfer. Because I think the timeline, timeline was, at least according to the broadcast crew, was that he wanted to transfer after the Duke game. Yes, after the Duke game. Yeah, and I went back and I I double-checked that after seeing your all's faces when we recorded on Monday when I said that. I was like, oh, shit, that was a different player. I heard the wrong story. But, no, in fact, it was Jawar Jordan, and he was going to transfer after the Duke game, and they talked him into staying, which they probably knew Hassan Hall was going to transfer or had – I can't remember the exact time, but had transferred or whatever the case was. Probably couldn't afford to to lose a back. And, and, you know, look, when your opportunity comes, you got to be ready. And you know what they say. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And and Jawar Jordan, he stayed ready, and and here he is. And now, I mean, I I think he's got a role on this team next year as the primary kickoff returner. Um, and that's a that's a good role to have, man. You can make yourself a lot of money in the NFL by being able to return kicks. Yeah, we had a wide receiver my freshman year that ended up uh, sticking around. I th- 
think uh, he made about halfway through the year with the Titans, just doing a uh, Geo. I don't know. Yeah, Geo. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. And it was yeah, always mm-hmm. just like, but he was a he was a gunner on on. Uh, That's all he did. Turns, yep. Right. Yeah. He, yeah. He was a gunner for like half a year for the Titans. I think. I I don't know. I'm not sure which team. I knew he didn't hang around for a full season, but. You gotta have some other attributes than look, man. You just gotta know your role and you gotta you gotta play it well. That's how you make money. Yeah, whatever you can do to stick on a roster, man. That's right. That's right. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break here. We're gonna step aside, uh, get paid with some little bit of advertising, and then we're gonna come back um, and we're gonna dive in a little bit more on the season and uh, talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions because who doesn't love a good New Year's resolution? All right, let me ask you guys this: Do you know what the number one? most common new year's resolution is i am sure you've probably looked at the sheet so you, you might have lose to, weight well, if you just had to guess what is it lose weight okay what are some other new year's resolutions that, have, have you guys ever had new year's resolutions do you believe in it do you try to do you try to hype yourself up or, or are you guys the go to the gym the first two days of the year and then never go back i know vince i, I know you're not and, and matt i don't say that as like a you need to get in the gym, but I know Vince is a former athlete. You and I are not former athletes. So we, we don't, we don't have, we don't live the life like that. Gee, thanks co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I love your body, man. It's great. Oh, thank you. Matt's got the perfect cornhole throwing body. I don't know how to take that. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, you I'm kicked my ass di- in cornhole at the start of the year. Don't think I forgot about that, Matt. I'm a competitor. That, that is true. That's, I, that's I did. sitting in the back of my mind. I, I did kick your ass, and I'll kick your ass again next year. <laughs> Look at that. Love it. That's the only sport, Vince, that he knows confidently he could compete with you. Otherwise, he knows <laughs> that and playing like Call of Duty or something. He, he's got you there. Um, but New Year's resolutions are fun. I don't know. I've always been a guy who tries to – if I don't, like, set one, I have, like, a goal or something that I try to accomplish. Like, for me, the last couple of years, like, believe it or not, back in, like, 2019 – I weighed, I'm only like 5'10", right? So I'm not like super tall, but I weighed like 225 pounds. Technically, I was like obese by obesity standards. And, you know, you just get to that point where you're tired of, of living a life that, that isn't healthy or you want to be better for yourself. And I decided I was going to get in shape. And it's been two years. Like I've been really working at it for two years and I'm down almost 50 pounds, put on a ton of muscle. And it's been, it's been a great lifestyle change, but I know not everybody has the ability to stick with New Year's resolutions. I've failed at more of mine than I have succeeded. Um, but I wanted to talk through, now that we're in the new year, we're six days in as we record this, I wanted to talk about what the, the New Year's resolutions might be for some of those most popular, uh, uh, what do you call them, figureheads of the Louisville football program. Starting at the, the top here with Scott Satterfield. If you guys had to brainstorm on what Scott Satterfield's New Year's resolution might be, or if you had to assign one to him, what would you guys say would be the best New Year's resolution for Scott Satterfield? I'll let, I'll let uh, Vince go first on this one because he knows him better than I do. I'd say get more creative on the goal line. I'm going to go with that. That's probably his, you know, running the same play back to back and hitting Clemson with the one they're – Clemson's play that they won a national championship off of, you know, he probably wants to get more creative at the goal line. I think we need more thick sixes. That that's, I mean, that's not my new year's resolution for him, but going off of what you're saying, I mean, when you have guys that are like, you know, hopefully to Thomas coming in, you got your Trevor Reeds of the world. Like, come on, let's get a little bit more thick sixes going on. I, I want to see some more defensive linemen, offensive linemen get the ball as a fullback on the one yard line. Like you tell me somebody's gonna be able to tackle Cole Bentley. No, give him the ball. As long as he doesn't fumble, we're good. Matt, what do you got? What's New Year's resolution for Scott? 
land your primary target in, at quarterback in the recruiting cycle. Okay. That's I mean, a good one. There, because I mean, how how many targets has this staff seemingly just kind of whiffed on over the last three seasons since they took over? Now, now that Pete Thomas is the the quarterbacks coach, he seemingly has done a better job. But I mean, even in the last cycle, they missed a couple guys. They missed Justin Lamson. They missed Shooter Sanders for better or for worse. And then there was a couple guys off the top of my head, like, you know, Gavin Wimsett, you know, guys like that, guys who you, Louisville got involved with early and just prospect after prospect could not close the book on. Now they did pick up a good guy in uh, Caleb Johnson, and I think he's going to have a good career. But I mean, he's 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 not the guy that a lot of people are going to like know about. Like, oh yeah, that 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 dude's good. Like he'll he'll do really well. So I think he, he they just got to do. This is Louisville football. You. They have a rich history at the quarterback position. Lamar Jackson, Teddy Bridgewater, the Brahms, the Fours. I could go on and on and on and on and on. The fact that Louisville has struggled in record and recruiting a quarterback, especially in the last five years since Lamar Jackson won the Heisman, is a little dumbfounding, if you ask me. Yeah, you it should be Alabama. Like for dual threat quarterbacks, the top school is Alabama, and number two should be Louisville. Like I'm dead serious when I say that. If you look at that stat that they showed in the broadcast, that there's only been like three quarterbacks in the modern era of college football to rush for so many touchdowns and throw for so many. And two of them are Lamar Jackson and Malik Cunningham that you're doing the right thing as a university for me, my, my new year's resolution may be a little bit unfair. Cause I don't know sat personally. I've never met him. I hope to someday meet him in person, virtually, whatever that looks like. Um, but what my New Year's resolution would be for Scott is to develop a little bit more of a mean streak. I'd like to see Sat get a little bit more nasty, maybe get a little bit more chesty with the media when Matt asks st- another stupid question about why you ran so many times on third down. No more complaining about L's down. I'm tired of hearing about, you know, how I think the, I shouldn't say I. I think most fans are tired of hearing about how great they did at certain things, even in losses. Um, I I think that in 2022, Scott Satterfield's focus should be, how do I become a little bit less of a nice guy? Uh, How do I become a little bit more of an asshole? Maybe Bobby left a playbook somewhere up in the office that we, where none of the players know where that might be, but maybe there's a secret compartment in Sat's office that he can find where Bobby left the playbook of how be a dick. Like, I think Sat just needs a little bit uh, of more dick energy in him to be a little bit more of an asshole and just, you know, embrace the mean, violent side of football a little bit more. I think that that would go a long way in Louisville football getting the edge back. You laugh at me, but what's Louisville missing? They're missing yeah, I'm that laughing edge, at man. Your play, your, I'm laughing at your coach, laughing at the your coach Trino's playbook. That's where, that's where you lost me. I started dying at what you said. I mean, <laughs> you know that some coaches have secret walls and laboratories. That. There's no playbook for that. <laughs> Uh, my news resolution for Scott is that he just becomes a little bit more mean, just a little bit more. I think it'll go a long way in, in helping. Or, or to put it nicer, just show like Josh Hurd even said in his introductory pressure that he shows a lot more emotion behind the scenes than what most fans and media are privy to. I mean, show some of that like out in the open. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, we're Southerners. We're kind. We're friendly. Like, you know, I know family. Carolina, we're all family here, but but. Uh, Every once in a while, you got to be mean to your family. Um, and that's what I want to see out of Sat in 2022. All right, let's move on to the next one here. I've got on the list Brian Brown. What, what would be the New Year's resolution for Brian Brown in 2022? I would say that he his New Year's resolution is to put a count on how many times he runs drop eight for the year. 
that that would be it's like a pitch count of sorts yeah exactly a pitch count like oh i'm only gonna run it probably three times this game that's it i'm calling it these three times and i'm not calling it again no matter what that's it that what do you got I would say, and this is no slight to to Coach Brown, because I mean he's he's good at what he does. I mean we saw what he did the season last year; it was a top uh, forty defense or something like that. But get a stop when you absolutely need it the most, because there were multiple times this year, like I think during that stretch where they went one and five, and and then in the bowl game, where when Louisville absolutely needed a defensive stop to either ice the game or give them give the offense an opportunity to go down the field one more time. Louisville, the defense could not get a stop at all. They did it against uh, NC State a couple times. They did it against uh, Clemson. They did it against Virginia several times. It seems like a lot of the issues with failing to close out late in games or just those three, those quote unquote three or four plays, and we're this close as Satterfield like says. A lot of those, a lot of those instances have to do with the defense just not getting just one stop when they desperately needed it the most. Now they ha- not that's not to say they haven't gotten stops because they clearly have, but whenever the defense was faced in the most dire situation with the game on the line, it seems like they they couldn't get a stop. Uh, if I am assigning the New Year's resolution for Brian Brown, it is all based around hiring an experienced Power Five or NFL outside linebackers coach slash co-defensive coordinator. I think Louisville needs a little bit of fresh of juice on the the defensive end, somebody who can come in with some elder eyes, maybe a Gunner Brewer of the defense type of character, somebody who can come in and be able to kind of challenge um, Coach Brown and the other staff to elevate their play a little bit more. Um, you know, kind of bring a fresh perspective on the play calling, less drop aids, more blitzes, more unique blitzes, maybe, you know, trying to figure out some new ways to, to get success from the defensive line. I think that Louisville football has the chance to take a step in 2022, but um, you know, some of the things that fans aren't going to be paying attention to, you know, the, the spring practices and, and the coaching hires at positions and some of the, the quality control things like those things matter. And I think here, Brian Brown has to nail that for Louisville to take that next step, because I think the next step is obviously Satterfield losing his job. But if it's not, if Louisville does say Louisville goes, you know, eight and four and their defense just really sucks then it's Brian Brown who's on the chopping block. So I think for Brown, just as much for Satterfield, the pressure's on to refill some of these positions, specifically Court Dennison, with guys who are experienced, who can come in and add some new twist to a defense that was really showing a lot of promise but took a step back in 2022. All right, for Malik you know Cunningham, who, go ahead, go ahead. You know who they need? They need the defensive version of Jack McNell, someone who's been in the business for a long time, who has a fair amount of experience, maybe not extreme amount of success, but success nonetheless at, at various stops, whether it be college and NFL. I mean, the offensive line had a slow start to the year, the first two, three-ish games. By the end of the year, the offensive line was the best unit on the roster. Like, there's no question. Yeah, and I, I say this like half jokingly, but half serious. You know, I understand the recruiting issues that Clint Hurt had when he was an assistant at Miami. I know you're shaking your head, but that's the kind of guy you need on the staff. I'm not saying Clint Hurt. I'm not saying you hire Clint Hurt. I know we don't okay. need to keep going down the retread path. But what I was I'm about to say, because is- I've, I've seen so many Louisville fans, not even just with football, but with just athletic as a whole, want to get, want to bring back in people who Everybody. had previous success. Like, uh, I mean, would you say no to Charlie Strong? 
Yes. Really? There's as, a reason. Just he can't as a defensive, back. not. I'm not saying H head ball coach. I'm saying just yes. Either. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we all know that's not going. We all know that's not going to work. He's not going to come back to a place where he was the head coach as an outside linebackers coach. But somebody like right. Charlie Strong, somebody like that, somebody like that, somebody who is like I said, you know, they're in the NFL as in a position coach now, or they're you know whatever the case is. Louisville's just got to go out and find find somebody who can can bring in something unique, and 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 maybe it's somebody that can become the recruiting coordinator or recruiting you know personnel as well. Somebody who comes in with that kind of swag and really can aid in the recruiting battle. All right, quickly moving on here, Malik Cunningham. For me, I am going to say his New Year's resolution will be to develop more in rhythm, far sideline throws uh, slash take less hits. I think that Malik Cunningham improved as a, a passer to the far boundary, uh, but I still think there's area to improve as an accurate. That, and let me say this. I, I say I've never been quarterback. Um, I've never, I've, I've tried to play quarterback. I don't have a very good arm, um, but those throws from the, from the far sideline to the, or from like, you know, the far hash to the far sideline, that is incredibly far, but still short yardage in a lot of situations. You know, you see guys run plays and they throw six, seven yard pass out to the sideline, but it's like, really, it's like a 30 yard pass because of the angle that you have to throw at Malik's never had that in his arsenal that I've seen. Vince, you may have some, some pushback on that. He's always been kind of those short throws over the middle of the field or those deep bombs for him to become an NFL quarterback. He's got to be able to add that and be able to find guys on that far boundary, you know, people who are getting open if it's open, obviously. Uh, and then obviously the take less hits. We, there is no uh, real strong backup option as of now for Louisville. They need Malik Cunningham and his senior uh, campaign. He's a Heisman candidate for a reason, but he's got to stop taking in these hits what do you guys think what's your new year's resolution from Malik Cunningham I'm gonna say Malik's new year's resolution is uh to gain 10 more pounds of muscle mass I I think Malik needs to take uh the Michael Jordan route where he couldn't win a championship where he uh got beat up by the Pistons all those years and then went and you know hit the gym hard picked up 10 pounds and was able to beat him I I think Malik needs probably 10 more pounds and that'll help you know, velocity on the ball, those hits you're talking about, Jacob. And I'd also love to see uh, Malik get more accurate on the deep balls. There were a couple of them that, yeah. you know, would have been six or house calls. And, you know, he just either overthrew it or underthrew it. I'm thinking of that one to Tyler Harrell in particular uh, against yeah. Florida State. You know, just you know, both of those are very attainable, too, for him. So. I'm glad you mentioned that because that actually leads into what my New Year's resolution for him is going to be is consistently hit those wide open throws because I mean Satterfield's talked ad nauseum about the three or four plays that separate Louisville between a, a loss and a victory and some of those three or four plays were Malik Cunningham just blatantly overthrowing a guy who was wide open and didn't really have a defender around him I think there's at least five separate occasions where Malik missed someone and it would have been an easy touchdown and and some of those games where the score is one possession or maybe even like a field goal those plays matter. So if you can, I mean, everything else he's, he's done spectacularly. If, if he can get his accuracy back to what it was in 19 while still maintaining his ability to like pick things up with his legs, Malik Cunningham could very well end up in New York may might not win it, but he can be a Heisman finalist. Absolutely. Yeah. Louisville's got to be like 10 and two, nine and three type of, you know, potentially win the ACC type of position for Malik to get that type of love. I mean, Sam Hartman had a great year this year and he wasn't even like close to being on the radar. You know, the ACC being so bad, he's going to have to like absolutely 
a, just break records and put up, you know, Lamar Jackson like numbers to even get a look. But yeah. I'm mean, sure having Brandon Armstrong him, averaged like 400 plus yards a game, like throwing, and he, did, he wasn't even like a finalist, not even a finalist. He wasn't even on Heisman ballots. Yeah, but that's because Virginia was what, like six and six? I mean, they, they were Something irrelevant like in the ACC, and Virginia is already irrelevant. So if you're going to be an irrelevant team in an irrelevant conference, your quarterback is probably going to find his way to irrelevancy in the national landscape. All right. Last one here before we move on um, and wrap up the show from a recruiting standpoint, if you're uh, giving Pete Nocta and um, the recruiting staff, Aaron Hodges and those, those guys and gals there um, in the building who are in charge of the recruiting, what is your new year's resolution for those folks, Matt? I'm going to say put an emphasis on beef, not beef. size. Like, not like because they, they have been recruiting a lot of guys who, you know, have length, who have height, you know, guys who, you know, have the wingspan to make plays. No, I'm talking about beef. Just put an emphasis on big guys, especially on that defensive front, because, I mean, what's the primary uh, quarrel with that defensive front for the last few years or so? They've been a lot of undersized type guys where when they get matched up against some big boy opponents like an old miss or a Kentucky, they get pushed around like on both sides of the ball, offense and defense, even though the offensive line held their, held their relative own. I mean, you go up against sec type fronts, you're, you're going to get bullied. So they need to consistently bring in guys who are just, who are just big, nasty, just ready to just go get money, get, I'm not, I'm just stumbling over my words right now because I'm trying not to just curse up a storm like that that kind that kind of guy like some like 300 pounder who's just ready to just do all the ugly stuff and they're they're taking a step in the right direction by bringing in a guy like Tafik Thomas but they need to bring in more guys like him I mean I, I love me some Salem Brown but when watching his film he is a little undersized and he'll need to bulk up a little bit. Same, same can be said for Popeye, but if the, if they can consistently bring in guys who just have bulk, who can physically push people around, and all you really need to do is coach them up, this defense can be in good hands. I'm going to say the New Year's resolution for uh, the recruiting department is to get more creative on social media. So i'm so tired of seeing this Flyville 22 like come up with something better and uh you know don't just bring out all the nice cars and all your you know flex your muscles for pierce clarkson and all those guys you know that's why you don't land those random five stars or those random four stars because you're not pulling out all the trip all the tricks and all the you know all your everything that you offer so I, I think that we just need to flex our muscles with every recruit that we get on campus, make sure every recruit feels like they're that one five-star that we're recruiting and get more creative on social media. Tired of seeing fly bill, whatever year it is. <laughs> I love that take. That's my favorite take of yours so far on the show. That's a good one uh, for me to wrap things up here. This may seem like a far-fetched resolution. And, you know, when you're, you know, when you're a 600-pound individual and you say you want to lose 300 pounds, it's far-fetched. But, hey, you got to set your goals high. If you want to be able to achieve your, your finest goals and your, your become your best self, you've got to set goals. that uh, They're attainable, but it may require a little bit of a reach here. For me, mine is to land a former five-star. Uh, I should say a five-star. 
uh, not via the recruiting uh, of high school players, but via the transfer portal. The portal is popping off. It doesn't matter where you go to school. It doesn't matter if your mom or your dad is on the staff. Players are transferring at an all-time high. Five stars are not sticking with their schools the way that they once did. That no longer is it. I want to wait two years to be able to see the field at the Alabamas of the world, the Georgias of the world, the Ole Misses of the world. I want to go and play college football. I want to play right now, tomorrow. Louisville has a lot of positions of need, particularly on the defensive line, particularly at cornerback. Um, long-term, they have a quarterback quarterback needs they have offensive line needs go to the portal get a guy from alabama get a guy from georgia i understand it doesn't it doesn't fit your traditional recruiting mold of the 4.0 gpa wrestler football basketball choir a piccolo player i understand it's a little bit outside of the recruiting box of scott satterfield he's never really been able to go into the living rooms of five-star players but i believe with the right mean streak with the right staff put around them with a quarterback who can sling the football like Malik Cunningham uh, does Louisville can go and recruit a former five-star player out of the transfer portal. If Colorado can get a five-star player, Louisville can get a five-star player. That's all I'll say. All right, let's wrap it up here. It's been another great episode of from the pink seats podcast. I am Jacob Lane, the host of the show, along with Matthew McGavick and Vincent LaCoco. As always, I'm going to implore you to go and follow these guys on Twitter at Matt underscore McGavick. Be sure to check out the Louisville report of sports illustrated uh, as well as Vincent LaCoco on Twitter, just as it sounds at Vincent LaCoco. Be sure to follow the state of Louisville. Check out the state of Louisville.com. If you're not following us on Twitter, that's at pink seats pod. I know that's a lot of Twitter handles to throw out here, but a lot of great folks that you need to be following on Twitter. As always, check out the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Ton of great shows there. In fact, Coach Sam Purcell, Louisville Women's Basketball Assistant, just joined our uh, Women's Basketball Podcast off the wall. So be sure to check that out. We thank you guys for tuning in. We know we're heading into an off season, but uh, don't tune us out just yet. We've got yeah, we've got, we've some, got some things coming. cooking. We got we've some got things, things cooking. cooking. Right. We've got Shake we've got some cake, some cake bacon, if, as they might say. If if I was a recruiting recording uh, recordinator, recordinator. Oh my god! <laughs> what is a recordinator? <laughs> Swing and If miss. I was a recruiting coordinator, I'd be tweeting out the eyeball emojis right now. There you go. Jacob's sick of the eyeball emojis. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> We've been over that one, Matt. Oh, I maybe, know. maybe this time around I'll let it slide. It, it is it is news worth uh, paying attention to. And before you know it, spring football is going to be here. So, you know, we, we got our work cut out for us. We're not going anywhere, but, uh, you know, we might be enjoying a little bit more trips to the mountains, a little bit more trips to Nashville, that type of thing here as we get into the offseason of college football. So thank you again for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. As always, go Cards. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.